Welcome back to Well Played Podcast, the show on all things playful and joyous and education. I'm your host, Michael Matera, sixth grade teacher, author, and uh, speaker. And I am here today with Nathan and Brad, authors of Hacking uh, School Discipline. And I am really excited to talk to them. We're here at the Amelie Conference in the convention hall, so pardon all the commotion, but when you get 3,000 middle school teachers together, we make some noise. Yeah, sure. We, we make some noise. So, all right, guys, can you give maybe your own little background, your own little uh, description here? Sure. My name is Brad Weinstein, and I'm the co-author of Hacking School Discipline. And I'm excited to be at AMLE because middle school is near and dear to my heart. I actually taught middle school for a decade, and I know that middle schoolers can be a little bit interesting. And uh, I'm really glad to talk about our book. And we came, we, Nathan and I met when we were working at Purdue Polytechnic High School. Um, he was the dean of culture at that school, and I was the director of curriculum for the network team. And we both, we brought both of our ideas together, and we, we brought classroom, and we brought the juvenile justice system, and we brought a whole lot of other components, a lot of best practices together, and what we ended up with was Hacking School Discipline. Yeah, my name is Nathan Maynard. Like Brad said, we met over at Purdue Polytechnic High School. I got started for the first eight years working in the juvenile justice field. I worked at a residential treatment care center with at-risk youth. Um, what I did after that was I went into education. I was really passionate about restorative practice after I got trained in that in 2008. So I started implementing that around the um, Lafayette, Indiana area. And then after that, I decided to um, go down to uh, become a school administrator and take those steps. I did that for a little bit, and then I met Brad. We wrote the book, um, uh, Hacking School Discipline, and then we made the first restorative behavior management software, Behavior Flip. That's awesome. I appreciate kind of your frame of reference, like your background. I love that you're both like you've been in schools, right? This isn't some outside perspective just telling us what we all should do. Uh, but because we're here at AMLE, which is the National Middle School Conference, for those of you that don't know, uh, why don't we center some of the discussion around that? But I, I really am curious if you have some tips for us educators us administrators, us like school districts, these kind of things. Do you have some like ways that we can think about or reframe student discipline so that it's more effective, it's more personal, yeah. it, you know, it's it's less, I don't know, less old school punitive. Yeah, absolutely. So I think the, the old school approach is to say, let's focus on the reactive nature. A kid did something wrong, what's the steps, what do we need to do to give them that punishment, have that consequence. What we focus on is the proactive nature of behavior management. The studies are now showing that it's 80% proactive, 20% reactive. So what our book does, we really focus on that proactive nature of you know discipline, which is teaching the kids what they're doing wrong and sort of helping them out. If a student has a reading deficit, we don't remove them from reading, take away the book and say, hey, you're out of here. We can't do the same when kids are acting out in the class. We do have to keep control of that class and make sure we're maintaining that safety for the other students, but we also have to teach that student what to do when they do something wrong or how to help them. With the neuroscience, we understand that the student brain responds to situations through the amygdala very quickly. They have these this cortisol rushing through their body. Sometimes they don't know how to deal with situations. We also know students of trauma also 
can pick up on even micro expressions on our face and understand that something is going on and they have these amygdala responses. One skill and one step that we like to talk about is circling up in the classroom, creating this proactive approach of if a student is struggling, you're in this together, this is your culture, this is your community, setting up those expectations. One person's gonna talk at a time, you're gonna have a talking piece, we're gonna speak from the heart, we're going to talk about you know the uh, prompt that I'm going over and let's build up this community. What that does is that impacts behavior so drastically because we're really focusing on that 80% proactive and not just that 20% reactive. You got some uh, bits of advice there too for us, Brad? My advice is to remember that kids are not adults. They need help with they need help with responsibility. They need help with empathy. They need help making good decisions. They need help seeking strategies. We think that kids, you know, in the middle school and high school level, you should know better. Calm down. You you, you need to do what you're supposed to do. Be responsible. Be respectful. The truth is, a lot of these kids don't know how to be respectful. They don't know how to be responsible. They don't have the skills to handle things when they go wrong. They're being they're bullying someone or they're being bullied. They don't know what to do about it, and they don't know how to express themselves, and they don't know how to uh, react to certain situations. So my biggest advice is to remember, kids are not adults. We still need to teach them the social emotional components of how to be a good adult and how to be an effective citizen, just as much as the academic skills. That's solid. I really like kind of both the natures of what you're talking about. One, just understanding that we teach 11-year-olds, 12-year-olds, like they're kids. Uh, but also I like the idea too of this you know, proactive instead of reactive approach. Uh, really, it seems like it centers around like knowing and understanding your students. That's really at the, at the heart of what both of you just sort of said. Sure. So if relationship is, is where it's at, if relationship and having those connections is where it's at, you, you've got to put in the time to have a relationship. Build yep, build it up. Build it up, right? Like if you don't have one, that's got to be step one. That's got to be priority sure. one. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And I want to add, it's not, it's not just having a relationship at the beginning of the year. Um, you know, if you're, if you're talking about your wife or your significant other, I have to tell you I love you all the time to my wife. It's not just, oh, I told you I love you four months ago kind of thing like 100%. that. 100%. So when we talk about relationships, it's not just I have a relationship with that kid so we're good. No, you have to feed that relationship continually over and over and over again. So that's why we bring up uh, restorative, we, we restorative circles, proactive circles, um, community building circles, um, open circles, closing circles, because we want to always focus on community and culture and relationships in a room. It's not just a one-time icebreaker thing at the beginning of the year. Yeah. And, and there's some of our students that may not want that relationship with us. We may try our best, have the best activities, engage them, respect them, everything, and they still don't want to respond. They don't <laughs> right. And that's normal. That's fine. A lot of those students, sometimes they have a wall up. It could be because of trauma. It could be because of cultural backgrounds. It could be because of you know a ton of different reasons. We have to look at that and say we don't need to um, focus on that relate. You know, forcing that relationship. What we need to do is we really need to focus on you know building that student up and making them feel safe and secure. When you're looking at Maslow's hierarchy of needs, those bottom tiers have to be met. The second to the bottom tier is safety. Making that student understand that they feel safe. That's our consistency with how we deal with behaviors. We can't take things personal. We can't get our emotions tied into it. We have to work empathy on both sides, teach them how they made us feel. We have to understand how they're feeling, but especially students with trauma or have those back 
backgrounds where they don't want to build up this relationship, we have to look at them and let them feel safe. And that safety is not overreacting to situations, not looking at, and they, they forgot their pencil and we're going to yell at them. You know, we're going to give them a chance. We're going to look at them as a kid. That's what builds up that relationship with those kids that don't want that relationship. Saying their first name over and over when they come into your classroom, hey, hey, Brad, it's nice to see you today. Something like that really builds that up and helps them feel secure. So, like, having, it's like, I mean, you just gave us some takeaways there, right? So if you're working on a student who doesn't seem to really connect with the class, connect with the school, connect with the grade level, they're, they're sort of on the outside there, and you want to bring them in to the circles, to the, to the community. Uh, I like your point, uh, Nathan, starting with using, just using their name. Oh, absolutely. Just using their name is huge. Uh, other, other, like, tips you guys have for, like, I don't know, cracking that code for that outsider. Well, you need to know that some kids, they don't have the feeling of love down. So like, if they're not used to having, they don't have that deep-rooted feeling of what it's like to be loved and what it's like to feel cared for and care for others, um, they can get, you know, so when you, you have to build that up and know that as a teacher, don't take it personally if a kid hasn't grown up experiencing what it feels like to have deep-rooted love and deep-rooted connections with other people. So it's one of those things where kids need to actually feel, like Nathan said, safe. They need to feel connected and you just need to wear them down with relentless encouragement and, you know, kindness. So it's one of those things where you're not, it might not be the first day, it might not be the second day, it might not be the third week, it might be the fifth month, but by the end of the year, you're going to show them that I'm going to continually, continually, continually be there for you. And sometimes the student needs to come over on their own time. We can't force a relationship on a student. Sometimes it's going to take them a while to get there, but just know that I'm here for you when you're ready. Yeah, I like that too. It's not, I don't know, sometimes like teachers being so, being so organized and like with their lesson plans and everything else, sometimes you can get to these like checkbox mentality. Like, well, I, I tried, I tried to make a relationship with Brad and he didn't seem to want it. So now I'm going to concentrate on this other kid. Uh, and I think that's just a good reminder that like, it's the everyday love. It's the everyday like commitment to your students, all of them. All of them, and and working on like Nathan said, first step you have to. If you do not have that relationship, you got to build that relationship. That's yeah. that's solid. You you Brad mentioned these different circles. Could you? I mean, like, is that something we could kind of break down? Like, what are some of these circles you're referring to? A lot of people think of our circles as when something you do when, when things go wrong. So if a kid gets in trouble, let's do a reactive circle where we're going to have a one-on-one -on -one and sit in the circle. There's no power imbalance. That's why it's a circle, right? We're all we're all equal participants in the circle. Um, a lot of people do them as reactive, like things are going wrong. I do a circle. What we recommend is that we do circles as proactive measures to build community in the in the classroom. So when we talk about a welcome circle at the beginning of the week. It can be some sort of silly prompt like, um, tell us how you're feeling using weather terms. What is a meme that you connect with the most and why? So you ask these topics that are not so deep but more fun to get students engaged. Later in the year, those topics might get to be, okay, talk about a time you struggled. Once you make a student feel safe and welcome in the circle and know that what happens in the circle stays in the circle and we sure. all built up that bond, now we can start talking about something deep. Like, talk about a time you were sad and what did, how did you deal with it? We don't talk about emotions enough in schools. We don't give the kids, okay, wow, what is it like to actually experience something tragic and how do you deal with it and how do you cope and those kinds of skills we don't teach kids. So it's about continually working on those opening circles. Um, a closing circle, end of the day, it might be, okay, like what, what is one thing from today that you're proud of? And then they can go around real quickly and share something like that. 
or it can be towards the end of the week, beginning of the week. So it's just those circles where we're building community, we're talking, and um, it's really a way for the students to continually learn about each other and know, wow, that kid really connected with that meme about this. I love that meme too. And then all of a sudden at recess, they're talking about that meme they connected over, they're building a bond that wasn't there before, and they learn to learn about others. So I am learning about my classmates in a way that we never talk about when we're just doing math. Yeah. And, that, and that's what I love about circles. Nathan, you want to share anything about circles? Um, I mean, when, when you're thinking about circles and you're going into it, I, I think the biggest component is don't overthink it. What you want to do is you want to set your expectations, go over what's going to happen. Like Brad was saying, there's three different types of circles. There's reactive circles, but again, we don't recommend jumping straight into those. We recommend starting out with something like a check-in circle, starting out your day, going over a prompt, going over those expectations, slowly building up that culture. You want to keep this as inclusive as possible. So it's not about every 100% participation. It's about putting out that prompt, letting everyone have that chance. When you start giving the students a voice and a choice, it's not just saying that, it's giving them this voice and choice into these situations, you build it up. So let's say I have a student start acting out in my circle. What I'm going to do is I'm going to redirect that. But then later, when I'm circling back with that student and talking to them, I'm going to empower them. And I'm going to say, let's, let's come up with the next circle prompt tomorrow. Or I want you to do the next circle prompt. Having that, that empowerment, that engagement, that reintegration component has to be with circles, has to be with discipline, has to be in all those different components. So don't overthink circles. You can get started. You know, our, our circle up chapter really walks you through what that would be in the book. That's awesome. Uh, for the prompts that you guys both refer to, and I like that you say they can run the gamut from the deep and emotional all the way to just kind of the silly and connect, you know, build that community. Uh, would you say like these are all verbal responses or do you actually have them like demonstrate or show these? You mentioned something about a meme, Brad. Like do they actually like bring it up or is it just, hey, you guys have all seen that one. That's my favorite. Yeah. So it's all verbal. So what you're trying to do, and it's not a communicate, it's not a engaging uh, back and forth conversation. What you're doing is you're bringing up a prompt, and you're having each student have a set amount of time. So you have 20 seconds or 30 seconds to respond to this prompt, talking about that. I like to use affirmations when they're going around the room. So if they say, "What's one meme you related to this last week?" They say, "You know, the crying baby with the fists in the air." Yeah. You know, you say, oh, "That's awesome." Who's up next? You keep it moving. You don't have to really engage it. You can turn that into do something that's a little bit more interactive, but again, the, the biggest criticism we hear is time. When do I do this? There's no time to circle up in the classroom. There's none of this. So if you start doing it too much, you're going to lose out on some of that time. There is just an article in Edutopia that says 144 minutes per week are used in classroom management, redirecting those behaviors, putting in that time, talking to them out in the hallway, talking to them in front of the classroom, whatever that may be. We're saying invest that time in these proactive natures, circle up, build up that community, and then just do that. And the more that you build up that class, you create this culture. And a lot of students, you know, because I've worked with kids for a long time, they're like, Mr. Maynard, don't do the most. You know, you're doing the most right now. When I come up to him and I start pretending like I'm a TikTok video or something like that, you know, it's not about getting down to that. It's about just knowing where they're at, knowing where we're at, and just respecting that and just building them up. I don't have to be with the newest TikTok video or the newest meme or anything like that. I can talk about that in a circle, but I don't want to do the most. I want them to understand, yes, I'm a 32-year-old man and you are a 16-year-old kid and we're going to work through this together but you know what I mean I think that kids look at us sometimes when we're trying to build up this relationship with this proactive nature as doing the most and they push back it's not about doing the most it's just about respecting that and forming that healthy relationship and that bond and that rapport nice I really like it uh, so 
we've, we've given some great suggestions, I think, and, and some talking points here about teachers in the classroom. I'm curious if we could talk a little bit about widening that and talking about like school culture, you know? Uh, I have a new middle school principal. She's doing a great job putting culture at the center of everything and just realizing its impact and how it will obviously change all sorts of things. But I'm curious from your book's perspective, you know, how do you build those cultures school-wide? What we've noticed is that um, we need to actually, actually practice what we preach. We can't just say, oh, restorative practices are for the kids, right? Or restorative practices are in, your, in, a, in the dean's office only. So when we use restorative practices in our book, we talk a lot about what the teachers can do in the classroom in addition to what the administrator can do behind closed doors. But when you talk about restorative practices, it's how we should deal with all of our issues. So if I'm having an issue with the teacher, we should be doing restorative practices with that teacher. The teacher should be repairing the harm, or even the administrator should be repairing the harm. Because I've had an administrator that said something in a staff meeting that really upset the teachers. If that teacher would have, if that administrator would have repaired the harm with the teachers and said, wow, I am really sorry, guys, I, I said this, how did, how did that make you feel? And be vulnerable. And, just, and same thing, you can put staff in a, in a circle. We can do circles and staff meetings. It's not just something that we do with the kids. Like we can start a staff meeting with something fun. Like talk about talk about you know like I said before, talk about how you're feeling using weather terms, or talk about something last week that went really well for you. Um, or it could be, hey guys, we're, I know we're adopting a new curriculum and there's a lot of pressure going on. Um, tell me how you're feeling about the new curriculum in 30 seconds or less. Go, because if the teachers don't get a chance to say what they're thinking out loud in front of you, you know where they're going to say it in the staff lounge about you. That's right. So when teachers feel heard, that's a great opportunity for them to actually um, be more proactive in your school. Yeah, it, and I like to take that simple approach too. When you're looking at that school culture, building that up, it's focusing on relationships and how those relationships are damaged and then deficit areas for students acting out and then continue to build that up. So instead of looking at the students and saying, okay, they did something wrong, this is the next step, I have to do this, what ends up happening is that that pushes certain groups of students away that starts to label students and that hurts that culture. So when you're talking about building up that culture, it's focusing on the relationships, not just in those circles, not just in the classrooms, outside of the classrooms, those relationships, it's throughout the entire time of what that would look like. I really appreciate your take on this. Uh, I mean, you guys have clearly done a lot, a lot of thinking through and working yeah. through this. I'm curious if you could share a little bit about this uh, program that you guys also have developed. I mean, yeah. not only is the book going to be great and there's these great takeaways, these functional things that we can use, but what are some of the, like reasons we'd want to upgrade to even having sort of this management system that you guys yeah. have developed. Yeah. So again, this AMLE conference is all about innovation and all about taking ideas and seeing them from start to finish and, and blossoming into something. Brad and I first met, he had this Google spreadsheet that he formed that he sort of used from you know his past job of being a principal. He was like, hey, I got this awesome spreadsheet. You know, I want you know, I'm just gonna show it to you, see if it's something you like. And I was like, that's great. But I was like, I, I'm all about restorative practice. Practices. I'm not punitive. I don't want to do this type of stuff. And he's like, well, it's not that. So we started working together. It's not with, that. Yeah, it's not that. He, he made sure. He, <laughs> he made sure. So then we started working through it a little bit together and figuring out what this spreadsheet was about. We built this up so then it would start tracking behaviors with students, but giving them a chance to repair the harm when they did something wrong. 
let's say a kid forgets their pencil, you know, 10 times in the classroom, you know, you're going to talk to that kid. You're not going to make a big deal about it. You're not going to refer them down to the office. Sometimes you're not going to call the parent, but let's say it starts impacting the class. You know, you start talking to them and then the kid explodes or the kid can't do a lesson because they don't have a pencil. You ran out of all your pencils. You know, it starts to become something bigger. You don't want to use a referral. You want to try to do this in the classroom as much as possible. So that's what that spreadsheet was about. We turn this into something that's more user-friendly so then teachers can quickly do this on their phone, quickly do this from their computer, and start tracking behaviors, positive ones, and ones that we want students to you know, correct those behaviors. When there's one of these behaviors that we want a student to correct, we don't want to immediately jump down to the punitive side, this is your consequence, moving through this. We want to give them a chance. So in our system, if a kid does a negative behavior, let's say they yell in class, they shout out an answer, they didn't raise their hand, it's the second time they did it, you followed the preview warn consequence, you gave them a warning, this is their consequence. You want to give that student a chance to make that right. When you tell a kid, hey, you did this wrong, I have to log this into the system, kids will have a level of anxiety because they don't know what that next step is sometimes. When you say, hey, I had to log this in the system, after class you can fix that with me or you can repair the harm with me. What we have seen is that lowers down anxiety. It also empowers the teachers to take care of situations. When a kid does something wrong in your class, they come down to the office. When I was a school administrator, they'd come down to me. I would have them fix it. I'd have them repair it. I'd have these conversations. But you have to focus on the person they did wrong to, and that is the teacher in the classroom. So we have to empower teachers to be able to hold those kids accountable. We have to give them good data, good ways to do it, and it's got to be quick and easy so you know that their balance and their time isn't taken up. They can do this during their normal day, and that's what our system is all about. That's awesome. I love kind of the different aspects of your program that we were talking about. Kind of the other day when we met, you were chatting about like kind of all the features that's in there. For sure. And one of the ones I really like stood out to me was the fact that you guys can see like data wise not only like the negative behaviors that probably every other similar product would do but that you also could kind of track those sort of positive moments as well Absolutely. those positive interactions and pulling those data's out those that data set out and then the other piece that I just got to like shine a little light on that I think is cool is you can start to look at different like demographics and like for sure for the positive exactly which is like super exactly. cool like i didn't even like think about that yeah. but like have we been like picking the same students for like the good stuff like have we has everybody written up a good positive referral of the same kids the same demographic of the kids it's lots of girls lots of boys lots of like this minority or that minority and like wow like maybe we should take a moment to sort of think through some of the positive actions Absolutely. of these different demographics. Yeah, and it's not just at that school level, it's at that classroom level. So what our software does is a teacher can go into it and they can see their own classroom data. They can see how their class is interacting in the system. We track behaviors in respect, responsibility, and resiliency. Resiliency is that growth mindset where we're gonna reward them for their positive behaviors in that class. But again, we wanna make sure that there's no disproportionality with those positive or even those behaviors we're trying to change. So it's really helpful for teachers to pull up that data at any time and see that. You can also, as a student, go into your own profile and sort of see what the behaviors are looking like, see what that spread looks like. And then the school, you can also see what those behaviors, that disproportionality may be, and if there is no disproportionality, what I can do to continue to encourage rewarding good behaviors or having the teachers use this software in a good way. I, like I said, I think that that's sort of genius that we can kind of get that crystal clear picture sure. of different different groups. Um, all right, so we're kind of coming towards the end of the podcast here, and what we usually do is do a reflection time where like I give you a quote, 
Uh, here at AMLE, I have not prepared a bunch of quotes for everyone. That's fine. Yeah. But what I want to do is use reflection time here to. You you guys wrote a fantastic book. Thank you. Um, and I, I'm curious if you could share with everyone kind of like a few nuggets of wisdom that you, you've gathered over the years about discipline. Like what are some of your like core principles about yep. discipline? So one of my favorite quotes that's in the book, and this is a common quote that's throughout you know, psychology books, through different books, you know, all over, is all behavior is a form of communication. When I look at discipline, when I look at helping students, supporting students, what I need to do, I, I'm a detective. I'm trying to figure out, I'm trying to seek to understand what is driving that behavior. If you can figure out what is driving that behavior, you can change that behavior. If you don't seek to understand a behavior, what ends up happening is these bandaged approaches, and then you see the same behavior over and over and over again. So you have to be a detective. When you see a kid acting out in the class, what is going on with them? Focus on building up that relationship, focus on seeking to understand. If you do those two components, build up that classroom culture at that same time, the behaviors are gonna go away. And then if you start to see a kid act out, you know where it's coming from and you know how to appropriately address it. That's awesome. Uh, I like that quote, I mean, thinking through how students, I mean, students are constantly doing different things. For and when sure. you start to sort of like sift through, like what's the why behind them? Oh yeah. You can start to change that behavior or accelerate that behavior. Like there are some, Absolutely. some kids are communicating the things that you kind of want them to do, but like, let's, let's captivate that. Let's use that. Yeah. And everybody's sending you messages. And I think it's great to, to be open to receiving those messages, being a detective, trying to match their needs yeah. as best as possible. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you, uh, Nathan and Brad for joining us. Yeah. Of course, thank you. Uh, we, we in the Well Played community, everybody, thank you for listening each and every week. It's uh, fantastic. Each week it's growing. Uh, share uh, this podcast out with others, and you can connect on my website, mrmatera.com, and my YouTube channel, which is YouTube slash Mr. Matera. Everybody, have a great week and play on.